Today on The Breakdown, we are dialing it back. We are getting in the DeLorean, going to 88 miles per hour, and going all the way back to the mid-2000s, where Daniel Negreanu, Ted Forrest, and John D'Agostino are going to be locked in a hand. There's only six players left in the win invitational. We're pretty sure there's millions of dollars in play, but it's a little unclear because it's so long ago and records are sparse. It's like the USSR back then. And uh, let me just say, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Ted Forrest makes multiple surprising decisions, but one especially surprising decision. Daniel Negreanu does some things this is back in the day of like speech play being, you know, everyone was talking and Daniel was talking the most. And I don't know, it's possible his speech may have really helped them in this particular hand. Weird stuff is about to go down right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey, first time, no way. Yes, back in time. Some sort of 2006-ish type year. You, know, you want to buy a lottery ticket, you got to go get some gold minted at the gold minter and go to the, <laughs> go to the, the 7-Eleven down, down the alleyway. Yeah. Give them a gold piece and they'll inspect it and tell you if it's good enough to buy the lottery ticket. Yep. And that's, no matter how big the gold piece is, that's what, you have, that's what it costs. Yeah. Because that's how it works in the old gold economy. Right. 2006. Yeah. Gold wasn't easily divisible. Yeah. Problematic. They had not yet invented the combustion engine. Horse-drawn right. carriages carried Daniel Negreanu to the poker table. Yep. Etc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is amazing how old 2006 looks when you look at this video. Well, yeah. I mean, there was so... Like, it was the beginning of poker broadcasting still, right? It was early, early days in the poker broadcasting game. And so what we're seeing is, like, a very unsophisticated broadcast with like not very much information for example we don't have stack sizes um i don't think when they bet they say how much the bet is it just the the, there the pot, a, they have pot size That's there is it. a bet that is for a shocking amount and the commentators yes. don't even mention it because maybe they didn't notice because of there's maybe. no technology telling them how much it is yeah but it's it, there's a lot of stuff like that which just now we come to expect we expect you know equities and all this kind of stuff and you know, we were just get it. We just weren't getting that back in the day. This might have been two thousand five, but but we ate it up anyway. Yeah, it was all we had. Yeah, we you know you you play you play the ColecoVision until the PlayStation comes along and you're happy with it, right? That's exactly the timeline of video <laughs> game consoles. <laughs> hey, um, I am. Did you notice that there were multiple references in that opening to time travel movies? There was Back to the Future. Yep. And? And I don't remember what the other one was. Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K. Oh, that's uh, Bill and Ted. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Come on. Time travel. I really worked that thing. You did. Where's the love? <laughs> you know what? You fucking nailed it, Thank man. Thank you, man. Thank you. I never saw the newest Bill and Ted that came out during the pandemic. Did you? I tried to watch it and just could not get very far. I just really didn't like it at all. I got yeah. like 25 minutes and it was like, this is fucking bad <laughs> and bailed. Keanu Reeves, for the first time ever, and that movie looks old. Like, oh, yeah? He always looks the same, or maybe a slightly more grizzled version. He just looks like withered and old in this particular movie, and it's weird. It's like... It's really weird. It reminds you of Entropy? It sort of does. Yeah. 
Yeah, and also, I mean, that would be fine unto itself if the movie was good, but the movie was really not funny and not good, at least as far as I, I saw. I assume Alex Winter is not looking too sprightly either. He is not, and maybe being next to him also, like, highlights the where Keanu is old, and maybe I wouldn't have noticed it as much, although I think I would have. He just feels, it's really different. Uh, this movie, like this movie stinks of death <laughs> and decay. But the point is, the movie just wasn't good in the first half hour at all and yeah. i was like why would i continue on this track of my life and i changed things you know i could i made big changes i left my wife you had a wife my, walked out on the kid you had a kid yeah different different been, families different families we've one been wife, friends one kid. for 10 years and yeah so did this happen like during a week that we weren't really hanging out that much and like you just got married had a kid and then within the week you're done i mean everyone has their own like Things they focus on during the pandemic, you know, yeah. some someone learned to code, right? Yeah, someone uh, someone learned to craft. I got married, had a kid, and left them both in se- separately within a week, <laughs> within a week or so of each yeah. other. But I didn't get married and leave them in a week. I got married, had a kid, separated them. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, over the course of a week, I left them both. That kid is still, I'm sure, fine, but alone. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. But, you know, I'm not alone alone, just like, you know, emotionally alone. Yeah, so I would never physically abandon a child, just emotionally. Yeah, yeah. So, so Bill and Ted. <laughs> like all good fathers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, back in the day, Ted Forrest is at this table. He's a major p- player in this hand. John Diagostino, as you mentioned. Oh, man. Cloney frickin' Gowan. Who remembers Cloney Gowan? The Cyclone. I remember she was a Texas hurricane blowing through the poker world. That's what they said. It's a hot lady playing poker. (laughs) I can't believe it. It was like one of the first of those. Yeah, she was, to be kind, not a good poker player. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone, maybe she would disagree with this, but I don't think the rest of the world, anyone who ever watched, I mean, she was really not even up to snuff of back in the day of like the full tilt pros, but she was made a full tilt pro anyway because she was like the first attractive female somewhat successful poker player, hmm. you know, and uh, good for her, really. She, she did great with it. Obviously, there have been many very successful, very many great female poker players. Of course. And I'm sure there were great ones back then, too, but she, she was got, like the hot one. She got highlighted. She really did. And G- guess who's doing the color commentary? Everybody's favorite. It's Howard Letterer, he the only, professor. He stole like $70 million from everybody. Yes, he did. And he did very, very well doing so. <laughs> He's he's sipping margaritas on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Hey, this hand was suggested by a friend of yours. A different friend. Yeah, Chris Leslie Heinen. We talked about him recently in a podcast. Did we? I don't we remember did. that. We talked about him being the kind of guy who sips scotch. Oh, he, yeah, that's right. He is. He also was on Poker Time for one session of Poker Time. Yeah, he opened under the gun with a six and then four bet it and then showed the six. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he likes to muck around. In those games, you know what I'm saying? He's mostly a tight, careful player. Except for that, that time. <laughs> yeah, but hey, whatever. Anyway, he suggested it on YouTube, or he gave a YouTube link on Twitter. No, no he suggested it on YouTube. He made a video for us, put it up on YouTube. It was like a Brad Booth crying video. <laughs> he was like, guys, I'm so sorry I didn't suggest this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Booth, who was found safe, by the way, so I can make that So joke. now we can joke about him potentially being dead and or crying and or degenerate. I mean, he was almost certainly... Like fleeing debts, right? I mean, maybe the mob had him and he got away. <laughs> I don't know. It's unclear. Anyway, anyway, he Chris did suggest on Twitter. We are the poker guys on Twitter at the number two poker guys. That's where you should suggest hands. We'd like to hear from you. 
All right, let's take this time machine back to, to poker of the day. This is interesting because it is very speech play-y. We will make a video of it also, so you can see the video on our, on our channel. We are the poker guys on YouTube, of course. All right, six remain. We don't really know what the payouts are. Where Jonathan said there were millions of dollars in the line. That may or may not be true. There are hundreds of thousands of dollars in the line. There's enough money for them to televise it, you know? And it's it's like big name players and stuff. So, cool. I mean, they're not going to play for like a 20K first place, right? I mean, they're playing for like half a million dollars or something. Probably. Anyway, the blinds are 8 and 1600. And John Diagostino, who nobody has seen on TV since maybe this time. I don't know. It's been a long time. It has been. He made like a couple long. WPT final tables and stuff like he that. He did right? other things too. He finished um, like seventh in the, uh, I still remember this actually, seventh in the U.S. Poker Open, which was at Trump Tower, whatever the Trump one was. And he was, I was like, I'm going to teach you the rules of poker. And all that. it was horrible. But the, um, but he, it was like seven left. He was the chip leader and Hoyt Corkins was on his immediate left and was like number two in chips. And they were very close and everyone else had a lot less. And they, it folds to Diego in the small blind with two tens. And he makes a normal raise. And Corkins is like, I'm all in. And Diego calls with two tens. Corkins has eight, nine off. And the flop is nine, nine, eight. <laughs> and, and so, um, so Corkins wins the hand. So it was just kind of random aggression from Corkins. Yeah, classic Corkins just going on because uh, Diocino has like a mountain of chips and he takes them and he pushes them over to Corkins in a way purposefully. So they all like collapse. So they're all these really nice stacks and they all collapse as he's pushing them. So it's this like huge, like, you know, maelstrom, maelstrom yeah. of chips like coming. And it's like, it's clearly like kind of a classless thing to do, but he's so upset about it. The very next hand he picks up Kings. And he's so upset because he's got, like, one blind now. He goes all in. He's called in two spots, and the two spots both flop a set. He's out. <laughs> so he would have been out either way. Yeah. Pro- well, it would have been hurt either way. But Maybe that was the end of John Diagostino. Maybe it was. That's what I remember last about him. And he's, like, he's so upset by this, you know. Well, I mean, the fact that he's so upset makes it a lot less likely that he would last at yeah. high-level poker, exactly. right? Like, being even keel is super important, especially if you're a tournament pro. I mean, it is. it was, you know, when you're at a final table, one of the things, it's so hard to get there, and it's, like, these are, like, but running hot or not hot in these spots is like we're so much money. To yeah, but if you let it break you, you can't continue on. Of course. No, of course you're right. Yeah. Of course you're right. But he was still here for this event. Yes, he was. Although he's all in for less than 10 bigs. He starts the hand oh. with 12,900 at the 1600 big blind level. He's got king eight of clubs. He moves in from the low jack. Fine. Sure. Maybe maybe Snapshot wouldn't love it, but it's, it's like, at least close. It's close. It's probably close. Yeah. Maybe it's off by one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably okay. Right? Yeah. Because he got like seven blinds. Yeah, eight. Yeah. yeah, it's really. I think I think it's okay, but I'm not sure what snapshot was. Yeah, can't be, it can't be that bad. The hijacker would definitely be fine, right? I have to believe so. Yeah, obviously the cutoff is an auto shove. Yeah, there, right. So, all right. So Ted Forrest is next to act. He's got a hundred plus thousand. We're not sure because they don't have stack sizes, but right. he's got a mount, mountain of chips. He's got two aces. There's a lot of stacks behind him, uh, Negreanu included, who has a, at least a hundred k himself. How do you proceed here? Is it an, often an isolation spot, or are you just calling a lot of the time? I'm always calling with pretty much my entire range here that I'm playing. What about like jacks, ace king? Hands yeah, like I'm usually calling with all those hands too, even the most vulnerable of hands. Yeah, to balance to balance out because like most of the hands are vulnerable, right? Jacks yeah. is not nearly as vulnerable as some of the other hands on my call with like nines. But like, what about like sevens? You, you don't just put in a three, but you don't have to shove. You can just like no. It's nice because like if someone else re raises. You can just fold these hands. 
Just like it's, and then and then it's nice because it balances when you have a hand like Gaze's, you can call with this too. And then when they shove or they re-raise, you don't, you cannot fold. All right, let's take the case of nines though. Okay, I, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Yeah, bring it on. Um, advocating for the devil of raising, I suppose. So with nines, it kind like. There's a lot of good outcomes from three betting relatively small here. Yeah, you can you click know, back. Like making sure. it like 22, 23,000. Yeah. It's a very easy fold to a four bet, obviously. No question. Um, you could also fold out hands like tens and ace queen, which is great. Um, that's an interesting point. You can fold out a few hands. Maybe there. even jacks sometimes. Maybe. Maybe jacks. Definitely folding out hands like king queen suited, which are probably overcalling. Yeah. That's true. It is only seven blinds, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess part of it will depend also on what we think about the people behind us, right? Like if we have people who are more apt to call a lot, like flat and with a with a larger range, with a hand, with all these vulnerable hands, clicking back makes a lot more sense, yeah. right? If you're going to have people who really know what they're doing with tournaments and they're not going to have that many calls when it, there's a seven blind shove and a call, they understand that they have to fold most of their things, you know? Like if you're in the if you're on the button with king queen. And someone's already called the shove. You're supposed to fold, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I really actually want to dive into this a little bit okay. more because this is the type of spot that we're all in. Of in, course, if we play enough tournaments, like instead of imagining this table, let's imagine for a second we're in a like an unknown field of a fifteen hundred dollar World Series event, yeah. right? And it's like day two or late day one or something, and and you're in the spot that that Ted Forrest is in, Diagostino shoved, and you have two tens. Like, let's just say you call. And you have like an unknown player on your left who seems competent, but you don't know much about them. Yeah. And, and they make it 35K and, you know, you're, you guys are 100K effective. Like you're just giving up the tens. You're rejamming. What are you doing? Okay. So someone shoved for seven blinds. We call. And then this guy basically clicks it back. Make, not quite. 35K over 12.9. We just fold. We just fold. That feels like we're getting exploited so often in that spot. Like how often how is that are we guy getting have, exploited? That guy has like ace Jack and, and shit sometimes depending on the player. Like, have you not been in these spots? To, haven't you seen the types of hands that people show up with here? Like I've definitely seen people show up with way weaker hands than, than you're describing. I feel like most of the time people tighten up in these spots and don't like three bet light in these spots. There are players who will, of course we can, we can adjust to those, but I think in general people are pretty face up when they, when they make a, when they make a re-raise here. I have maybe my sample size is small enough that it's just wrong, but I have a lot of experience playing World Series of Poker tournaments mm-hmm. and pretty much 70 to 75% of the time in, in my perception trying to reach back, like when people who seem competent make a three bet in a spot exactly like that, they have a hand that's just like, I'm kind of trying to isolate here. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not like that good of a hand and would have probably folded had the tens or whatever hand it is three bet and would fold to the rejam also. Like it, so I I don't feel like it's an easy thing to say like you just have to call with with tens and and then fold to the three but mm-hmm. I don't I think that's that's a mistake to to be thinking that way. Um, well, obviously it depends on how deep we are, but if we have similar stack sizes to what we're talking about here, yeah. someone makes a thirty five k. I think we have to fold tens in this spot uh, if we're going to play it this way. Uh, so is it not better to make it twenty three twenty four k ourselves and have easier decisions? Um, I think if we're in a if we're if we're in a vacuum, you're right, but we're not in a vacuum, meaning like, especially as we get later in tournaments, there's going to be more of these spots, right, where people shove and we might be, you know, we might have, we're going to have decisions with, with real hands about what to do, right, yeah. at, at this table. Um, and so calling really sets up spots where like, like as soon as we, as soon as we click back tens, right, 
then when we don't click back the next time, what do we have? I mean, it's, they don't know if they don't see, I mean, like, I guess they would see the tens, right? But that doesn't mean it's going to really change. As soon as we don't click, as soon as we just call, it's going to polarize us in a way that we're not currently polarized. I don't think the, there's enough weighted value on that particular concept for it to matter versus the practical aspect of the in a vacuum advantage of an easier way to play the hand right there. I, I got to really also, I want to push back on the greater premise of this, which is the idea that you're saying like 70, 75%. Yeah. Like I really have not experienced that. I played a bunch of world series events too in yeah. my life. Um, and a bunch of other tournaments as have you, of course, yeah. I'm sure you played more live tournaments than I have, but like we both played a lot. Um, that is really not my experience. I have to say like, Maybe I've just been at different tables and maybe it's just a sample size thing. All, and, you know, like we just haven't played enough live poker in these spots to really have good sample sizes. Are you, are you positive that when you're thinking of these samples, you're not adding in the times when it's actually a four bet, when the clickback actually did happen and you see the isolation? Um, yeah. Okay. Because that stuff always stands out to me. Like I make notes about that stuff. I can still remember playing, now this is a sit and go, but playing a $500 sit and go at the Rio and this one kid who would open and if someone jammed on him and then someone else, if they like open, there were callers and someone would jam, he'd always rejam. And I remember like noticing him doing it and then him doing it with like weaker and weaker hands and like come with strategies against that. Like that really stood out to me. Hmm. Um, this is like nine years ago, yeah. 11 years ago, something like maybe it was 2009, but I still remember this kid just from that. I've never played with him or seen him since, but I like, I, I like really make notes of that kind of thing in particular. I feel like most people don't do that. And so maybe we're just, the fact I, I look if I if I thought you were right I would agree that maybe we'd want to play a little differently sometimes right where we could actually play really exploitatively and like click back the stuff we want to protect and call with the stuff that's really monsters and let them do what they're going to do and not worry about it right um, yeah maybe that's maybe that would be a way to go but I mean obviously in the end what we would come up with if we were to actually parse this out forever would be a mixed strategy. And it would include some clickbacks with aces and some flats with aces and some against clickbacks. the best players, yeah. sure. Um, but against a World Series of Poker field, which you know is the mm-hmm. example I'm drawing from randomly, and you know late day one or whatever, so it's not like necessarily there's elite competition, but maybe there's some competent players. I think you can just play pure exploit. I think that's fine. Okay, since I don't believe people are doing what you're talking about, though, I don't. That wouldn't be playing pure exploit to like click back here. All right, let's forget about. That scenario, let's start a new okay. scenario. Okay. You have the tens. Yes. It's the same scenario. Or you you're not you're the guy after the guy with the tens. Okay. You have ace queen off. Yeah. What do you do if they flat? And how deep are we? Hundred K at the sixteen hundred blind level. Okay, we're like eighty blinds deep. Less than that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right, less than that. Uh, sixty blinds deep. Yeah. And the person shoved for seven blinds? Yeah. Uh and we're, and I'll assume the positions are all similar, right? Yeah. I think it's pretty close between like a raise and a call. Okay. What if you have ace king? That's an easy raise. What if they made it 35K? I'm not folding ace king, I don't think there. You're just going to rejam? Yeah. Are okay. you? Probably, depending. I, I would assume they have got a lot of hands they're protecting <laughs> that are like going to fold. Now, obviously, they have some strong hands, too, but I have a strong hand. It's not as cut and dry and easy. I mean, like, that may be the case as the optimal play. Yeah. But, like, when you've been playing this really well-structured tournament for 12 hours that day, and it's you have 100K, which is still a really good stack, like, shoving Ace-King just feels like 
such a disaster. It only feels like a disaster when they immediately say call. Yeah. Like, cause so often they're going to fold, you pick up the dead money in the yeah. pot and you get to be, True. I mean, and you get this incredible price against the, the worst, the bad range of the all in hand. I mean, it's an incredible spot. All right. What are you doing with ace jack suited? Same spot. Probably just calling. You're over calling. Yeah. Ace, it was, it's seven blinds. I assume I'm in position a lot of the time. Yeah. Right? Either, but either way, I'm probably just going to call and feel fine about that. But you're definitely folding ace queen and ace jack to the 35 K. Ah, yes, I am. Yeah, I am for sure. So I I don't know. I think there's advantages to both things. I mean, I understand not wanting to be face up. We also don't have to protect that much. It's only seven blinds we're putting in, you know, and I know there's there's this other guy we have to beat two to win the pot. Yeah. it's okay if someone else comes in and we play poker against them, I think. Like, usually there isn't going to be a whole lot of crazy bluffs post-flop if we call and the other person calls and we, it's a dry pot anyway. You know, often it's going to get checked down or when someone bets, they're usually going to have something. Like, people play pretty face-up often in these situations. So it's pretty easy to play usually. Do you change your strategy if it's 12 blinds? Um, I'm more apt to just call, actually. Like, the, the lower the blind shove is, the more apt I am to re-raise because now I feel a need to protect a little more. Yeah. But like 12 lines now, if someone puts, someone's going to have a real hand now to put. But I would probably do the same things with ace-queen and ace-jack suit that I was saying in either spot, in fairness. Right. But still, like, there's a, like 12 lines are just going to fold out most of the world. You know what I mean? Once we flat, it's just strong to flat there, I think. Even though we can have two sevens. For sure we can, right? We can have, maybe we can have ace-10. In fact, we probably can have ace-10 suited, right? Um, it's close, but probably. I don't think we can have ace-9. No. But, we, but ace-10 suited? I don't know. Hijack and... Low jack and high jack. Eight blinds? It's close. It's close. Ace jack. Ace jack suited anyway. I think ace we can definitely suited. have ace jack suited. Yeah. Maybe not ace ten. Maybe not ace jack off. Maybe not ace ten suited. I don't know. That's pretty close. Anyway, we could look that up. And we could, we could look into this more later on a different episode. Yeah. I just think it's an interesting thing that isn't, we don't really talk about it that often. You know, like this whole, there's an all-in player and there's a lot of other factors involved. How do you deal with it? Right. And th- th- a lot of this comes down to, though, like you also have to have a pretty deep stack for any of this to come into play, right? Right. Like, if you have 20 blinds, you're just reshoving. Right. Even if you have 30 blinds, you're probably going to just re-raise, right? Yeah. Because then you, that pot really matters. Like yeah. you have to win that pot and you can't let someone else in. Right. Even if you have 40 blinds, you might put in a re-raise. But as soon as we get to 50, 60, et cetera, I think we have other things in play here. Yeah. I think 40, 40 gets awkward. Yep, 40 is where it gets a little awkward. There's some really wonderful things that happen when you flat here, by the way. Like, I remember doing this with Kings once where a guy shoved. I called the Kings in middle position. Um, the big blind called two, or not the big blind, the button called two. This is actually at a win tournament a few, uh, like two years ago when yeah. we were at the World Series. And uh, the flop came like nine high. I just bet normal some normal amount because I have Kings and the guy shoved, I called, he had like some weird ace high hand and he, he was out. And so was the other guy out. And it's and Sounds like it. that guy just spewed it off. Oh, he massively spewed yeah. it off. Right. Um, for sure. But I wasn't betting thinking that was going to happen. I was just betting Kings to protect and betting. Cause I had a good hand and like, whatever, you know, like, Oh man, I just, uh, I just had a wave of missing live poker. Just thinking about how nice the wins poker room is. now. Uh, it is nice. So nice. Yeah. Those, Fucking pizza slices are like $9, but... I mean, the food is expensive as shit. Yeah. It's good, but really expensive. But the poker room itself is just really nice. Yeah. It's a nice place to be. Yeah. Good coffee. They got good coffee there. Okay, anyway. Ted Forrest is going to just flat with the aces. Yeah. Which, I'm, I think it's great. I think it's, it's perfectly fine, too. I just I thought it was worth a, a, an yeah. in-depth discussion about. Let me say one other thing, actually, now that we just had a whole in-depth discussion yeah. about it. So this is a slightly different spot also than like... Um, if you're doing it in a World Series event where you're not going to play with these people again, right, the yes. table might break, 
Ted plays with these people all the time. It's on TV also. There's a lot of value in just Definitely calling the different. faces here. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So he does this from the hijack with a big stack. Folds to Negrano in the small blind. who has got ace queen off. Mm. I think it's a really interesting spot. Me too. Like you're out of position against Forrest, which is a big deal here. Do you want to put in the three bet or do you want to just call? I want to put in the three bet. Pretty, pretty hardcore. So you want to make it something like 33, 35 K? Yeah. About something like X. that. And I, I guess, I guess we have to fold to a jam, but we wouldn't expect a jam is coming. Very yeah. Often. It's pretty easy to fold to the jam, yeah. even though the price is going to be pretty good. But we're going to be like, well, what? I mean, he's so strong when yeah. he does that. Like we, ha- we are very strong when we do this. The ace queen's like the bottom of our range, pretty close to it anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it feels super strong. I, I'd rather do that than play this hand out of position when there might be dead money in there that's just going to fold. Like two nines. Like all the things you're yeah. talking about, actually. Like two sevens. Right. Like ace-jack, whatever. Even if it's the same hand, ace-queen. If we can just fold that ace-queen, what a deal. Yeah. So yeah, I really much want a three-bet to you. I think so, too, yeah. yeah. Maybe on the button, I'm more apt to call. It's definitely better on the button. Or if call. it's suited. That also helps. Helps a little. Anyways, Daniel Negreanu, and it's 2006, so he didn't even know how to three-bet. So he flats. Uh, I mean, if he threw it, it's just going to be a click back anyway. Yeah. He flats. Big blind, Phil Gordon folds. Phil you Gordon. Phil Gordon. Phil Gordon. All right. How many, which, how many of the Phil Gordon, like, little blue book, little gold book, little green books do you have? You have the whole collection? Like, the Chronicles Are you of counting? Narnia? So, uh, quick question. Yeah. Do duplicates count? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow it. It's in the millions. <laughs> That's, storage would be questionable there. I have a storage unit. Also, you have a Kindle, and you weird. I will say, I was setting you up because obviously, I know that on your Kindle, you continually buy the Phil Gordon little green book and little. Somebody's got to give him a little blast of serotonin every day, just yeah. like yeah, somebody bought the book. Someone <laughs> likes me and trusts me still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they say we go after people on this. Yeah, show. who says that? <laughs> Phil Gordon, who's done so many evil things to us. Yeah, really. Phil Gordon never done a damn thing to anyone in his life. He was he was a successful businessman who turned into a successful poker player, right? I think that's right. Yeah, he was like a rich guy and then became like a, at least for the time like a really good poker player. And I remember actually reading just to go the other way, like I got one of his like little the first little poker book. I think it was a little blue book or something like that. And actually really liking it back in the day too, thinking it was really good. But this is like 2006. But still, it probably like, helped a lot of people back in 2006. I imagine it helped me back in 2006. So. Actually, sorry, Phil. That was all very mean, and, and thank you for writing that book. And we would like to end that apology and begin this yes. fucking expansive boon of wonder yeah. known as Nitrogen Sports. Oh, wow. Did you expect that? I thought we were going to the hand, but we just will not get to it. And <laughs> Fair enough. It's only been a half hour. Oh, okay. Nitrogen Sports, where dreams go to live. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally, bro. Use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen. It grants you access to the gates of heaven, Jonathan. The gates of heaven. Wow. That might be overselling it. Maybe. But some people would say you're underselling it, Grant. <laughs> Shut the hell up. Stop underselling it. It gets you access to the monthly Poker Guys tournament, which always has a huge overlay, thousands of dollars. Pretty much is a guaranteed overlay. Am I right, Jonathan? Yes, it is, in fact, a guaranteed overlay. That's pretty sick. And that's it's not like thousands of dollars on uh, out of 200K. It's like it's a lot of the prize pool. It's more than half the prize pool. That's free money for you. Yeah. Use the link when you sign up. When you sign up, it's very easy. Just a username and a password. It's a Bitcoin-only site. Pretty easy to, to deal with Bitcoin these days. And Nitrogen makes it very easy to get your money out. 90 minutes, you get your Bitcoin. If you bink that tournament or some sports betting that you did or casino games or other poker that you played on Nitrogen. It's really 
like entering heaven through the gates of heaven. Huh. If you think about it. You know, it. now that you really lay it out, yeah. I see it. I see it. It's like the really cartoony version of heaven that's so idyllic, you know, with like mm. glowy clouds and, Harps. You can, and you bounce around and stuff yeah. on the clouds. And also you can eat them like cotton candy and I you wanna, never get fat. I want to walk on a cloud and never get fat. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, that, you better use the link then. Harp. Or you end up in nitrogen hell. <laughs> <laughs> Which is honestly also pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, they have sports betting and casino yeah. games, right? The the molten lava actually is a really delicious salsa. Yeah, and you never get fat. <laughs> <laughs> it's all really heaven. It's all just different ways yeah. to do heaven. It's all the bad place, though. It's all the bad place. Moving along. <laughs> John D'Agostino is all in with King 8 of Clubs. Oh, yeah. Daniel Negreanu has overcalled Ted Forrest's call. Ted Forrest has aces. Negreanu out of position has ace queen off. Pot is 41,500. The flop is six of spades, six of clubs, four of diamonds. A couple back doors for Diagostino. Little yeah. hope for little, yeah. little Johnny. Daniel Negreanu has dark checked, which you know used to happen a lot more than it does these days. Yeah. What do you think about that? Let's not think about it from a 2006 lens. Is there any uh, value in the dark check in this scenario at all? No, there isn't. I mean, he's doing it sort of like it's the, hey, we're checking this down, right? Like, that's what's really going yeah. on. Right? Like, we're going to eliminate this player. There's only six left, so it wouldn't be shocking to see them check a lot. And it's Daniel sort of like like flying a flag saying, like, I'm only going to bet if I have a, a good hand, probably. Or yeah. if I think I have the best hand, Ted, right? Like, I'm not trying to be clever here. That's, the, that's, uh, that's the message he's trying to say. It's the not-so-implied collusion. Yes, it's like exactly. Pretty explicit collusion. Pretty explicit. Yeah, which still happens all the time. Yep. Um but he's allowed to do that. It's hard to avoid it. This this is totally fine for him to do it. I mean, but I think it's strategically not a great move. He should look at this board and pretend to think about it and check for check. You know? Or he could bet if he wants to. He could, but that doesn't make any. Real not on sense. this board. Yeah, not, not, on this. not in the situation. Right, yeah. we're three ways in a dry pot. You know, like he's got to beat Diaz. You know, and yeah, he doesn't know that Ace Queen's beating him. It's unclear. Right. All right, so Ted Forrest has aces. Yeah. Worth a little bet just to isolate. I mean, you're not really protecting against anything. I mean, Negrano could have like an overpair. Oh, but you're not protecting. You're right. No, you're not protecting against anything at all. I mean, sure, there's the occasional two-outer, but like whatever. Yeah. Um, I think we. the only reason I can think to bet here, which I think is maybe a good reason, is to get value from all the pocket pairs that Daniel may have. Yeah. Which is like, makes sense to me. Like pocket eights will fold probably if an overcard comes and we bet then. Yeah. In this situation specifically, it's probably going to believe us. So I'd like to bet now and get value out of those pockets. We don't have to bet very much, but I'd like to put. I like to get some chips in. What do you think? I like that. I also do worry though that Negreanu has a lot of king queen king jack ace queen yeah ace jack type hands. Well, we do have two aces, so we we can eliminate some of the ace queen ace yeah, jack. Yeah, but, but what I hear pocket you. pairs over the six does he have? He has sevens, eights, nines probably, yeah. and then tens gets questionable. Yeah, since he shows up with ace queen. Tens feels like it's more possible, but yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that is head for us. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, I don't know what's he doing with two fives if if he checks if if we bet here. I think he's probably calling at least. He might once. just fold because he's he like, might. you have it right, Ted. Like this is a dry right. pot. Like, well why then, would you, what's he going to? Why do would with, you bet ace high, Ted? What's he going to do with two sevens? Is he going to? I mean, it's the same thing as two. He fives. might fold. Yeah, two eights is where he can start to call right because at least he's beating two sevens. Yeah, but he's like and two fives. He's going to not like it, and he might even do a Negreanu thing and fold two eights. Yeah, you know? we we could bet really small though and make sure we get called by all those hands once. But but yeah, this is this is a fair point, and if that's true. If he's folding a hand as high as good as two eights, now I don't love the bet anymore. Yeah, I think it's a ch- there's a chance he would fold that. It's just going to be really hard to get value out of Negreanu, almost no matter what though. If he's going to fold the hand as good as eights. Uh, yeah. To one bet here, right? Like he's gonna have to. We're gonna have to check. He's gonna have to hit top pair. 
We need the board to really cooperate, basically, yeah. to have this work. Yeah, but it seems like it's tough to find value by betting. Yeah. Um, yeah, old, especially back in the day. Like, nowadays, Negreanu probably, I think, much more apt to call with a hand like ace-queen once if we bet small here. Yeah. But back then, no chance. No. No. Well, Ted Forrest decides to check. Okay. I kind of I like the decision. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Still 41-5 in the pot. Okay. The turn is the ace of spades. Well, that feels really mean. Ted Forrest now has aces full of sixes on the ace-6-6-4, six, six, two-spade board. Negreanu makes aces up with ace-queen. Here's the bet size that I was referring to earlier that they didn't catch the yeah. announcer's Negreanu bets 3,000. I mean, I get what he's doing, but it's so small. 3,000 to 41,000. It's like 7% of the pot. I mean, he could bet 10,000. It's still really small. Yeah. I don't know why he wouldn't bet 10,000. Really? Like, what is, what's going to, like, if Forrest has ace king, Forrest is just going to call if we bet, right? He's not going to raise ace king anyway. If he raises, we can fold for sure. Because even though it's hard to imagine what hands he has, we're losing. We know that, right? He's not going to raise ace-jack. Yeah. He's probably not going to raise ace-king. He's probably raising full houses. And maybe if, if he somehow has a six, which is hard to imagine how he can never have a six. So it's like pocket fours. Somehow he has pocket aces. Those are really the only obvious. Thing. I guess he could have quad sixes. But yeah. he's probably not going to raise that on the turn anyway. Um, it's really weird to bet this little. He's trying, now, Negrano's trying to get called by two tens or something like Shouldn't that. Shouldn't Negrano even bet at all, I think, is a question we should ask. I think the reason that you could bet is because Forrest can have a worse kicker. Yeah. Now, Forrest is probably going to bet if we check anyway, but he might check back to make sure he gets value, too. We may only get one street of value instead of two. Yeah. Instead of, like, we could bet now, we could bet the river. Of course, when we've only bet 3,000, what are we talking about with getting two streets of value? We're basically only going to get one street of value right. anyway. I mean, if the point is to get called by ace-10 and ace-jack and ace-nine suited, maybe. Yeah, stuff like then that. Then why wouldn't we bet, like, 10, 12K? Is like, they're going to call, and then they're probably going to call some river bets if we don't size it too yeah. big. Like, why don't, that should be the plan, right? Right. Otherwise, you're right. What are we doing? Why are we betting 3,000? This is a really weird bet. This doesn't make any sense. It's just Negrano getting cute in his old school way, I think. Yeah. Maybe he's got... Nope. There's just no reason for him to ever have a bluff here. Because if he had king-queen, like betting 3,000 doesn't make any sense. Because you would assume between Forrest and Diagostino, especially with Diagostino in, in the hand, like someone has an ace. Yeah. Like a lot of time... And you, or or Diagostino's beating you right. one way or the other if you've got king high. So doing 3,000 like balanced times when you're bluffing, you're just never bluffing here. No. There's no balancing. By the way, if you're never bluffing, should Ted Forrest raise with aces full? Interesting question. Is Negreanu going to find a fold with ace-queen? I think he is. And if he's going to find a fold, that's the best hand he really shows up with, except pocket force, right? I guess he's putting force on ace-king at that point. Or pocket force. Yeah. Or pocket sixes or pocket aces. Yeah. What else is there? I think he's putting him on all those things. Or maybe even the same hand. Because you could sit there as Negreanu and think, Force is almost free-rolling here with a, with a raise with ace-queen, right? Yeah. Um, but, Negreanu almost never has ace-king because of pre-flop. Right. But Although the, Negreanu but, might flat ace-king pre-flop back in 2006. In this, maybe. But. Probably not, though. But, but Force could reasonably assume that like, Negreanu never has a better ace than ace-queen. So if, if Force has ace-queen, he could get him off the chop or yeah. get value. Either way, that's, that's kind of, it's almost like a merge bet in its own way, you know? Well... When Negreanu bets 3K, do we feel like ah, maybe we should, should we raise, raise anyway? Just like, do we, don't we want to make this pot worth something this to is where, us? You're right. This is where raising, we could raise, because we could, Negreanu is going to have to call with ace-queen if we make it 15,000. Yeah. He's just going to call. Of course he's going to call. If we made it 60,000, of course he's going to fold. Right. right. Uh, or we made it, like, if we assume Negreanu bets 12, so we would have made it 40 or 30, 32 or something like that. 
he would probably fold if we made this three to thirty-two. But yeah. three to fifteen, he's going to have to call with his reasonable aces. Yeah, I think that's probably the better play. I agree. Before us decides just to call, he doesn't want to chase him away. I guess he's in position, which makes it a little better, right? But now it's going to be hard to get a big bet on the river, right? Well, it's Ted Forrest, so I I I have faith that he's going to get a big bet on the river. Okay, yeah. I mean, they no, call him Spooky, you no, know that, right? Knowing Ted and how his his the soles of his feet fell off one time. Yeah, he is all about value. They call him Spooky because he's spooky lucky. I thought it was because of his reads. No, no, I think it was because he was spooky lucky, actually. Oh, before you've said this, and you've said it's because really? he like spookily read people's hands exactly. Uh-oh. I think I'm right about the it now. I mean, it's, they talked about it in the uh, Professor, the Banker, and the Suicide King, which is a great book, by the way. Um, where they they explain the origins of the nickname, that, but I read that years ago now, so maybe I, maybe I'm misremembering. Anyway, either way, spooky. So. What's the story about the soles of his feet falling off? He like said he could run. He had to run. I believe it was 70 miles. In Las Vegas? In Las Vegas heat. And it was like over 90 degrees. And he had to do it in like six hours or something like that. That's impossible. Okay. 24 hours? Maybe that. Maybe 24 hours. Maybe it was 24 hours. But so, and it was like blistering hot. And maybe he couldn't do it at night. Maybe it was only, maybe it was like the 12 hours during the I think that actually might be impossible. Like. To really? Run, to run that far. Maybe it was just... Seven, a, oh, 70 miles. You're right. Maybe it was just 26. Maybe, maybe it was, it was a just marathon. a marathon. I think it was a marathon. In the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then it was... A, but it was in a, a time frame which was like going to be hard to do in this crazy blistering heat. Um, and it, yeah. And so he, he won, but the soles of his feet came off on the bottom of his sneakers and both feet because they melted off. That is so awful. It was not worth it. I think, I think he has since said like he really wishes he had given up. Yeah. Because it's like it fucked him up for the rest of his life physically. He's still dealing with that? I mean, to some degree, I think his feet do not look normal now. Jeez. I've not looked at his feet, <laughs> okay. but I believe, but I believe he, I believe he's talked about it in this way. That is, that is awful. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Let's go to the river. Okay. 47,500 in the pot. Yeah. The important hands are Negranu with ace queen in the, the now wet side pot of six K uh, and Ted Forrest with aces, aces full in the ace six, six, four, two spade board. Negranu probably believes he has the best hand most of the time. Yep, probably thinks Forrest has a weaker kicker, or maybe just called to hit a two-outer with tens or something that checked back on the flop. Well, because, for 3,000, yeah, well. maybe he's calling with all his reasonable pocket pairs. Yeah, yeah, might as well. The river is the six of diamonds. Mm. So now, Ted Forrest still has aces full, but there's three sixes on the board. Yeah. Negrano has sixes full of aces, and quads is a possibility. Yeah. This is where the speech Blake comes in. Negrano yes. starts talking about how brutal it is, you know, referencing that like now he's chopping with all of the aces yeah. that he was beating before. Obviously, he doesn't say that part out loud, just no, but, how brutal it is. But it's like pretty obvious what he's talking about. It seems like it. Yeah. He then continues to say things that kind of make yeah. it even more obvious. He says how brutal it is. Then he checks. Then Ted is tanking and Negrano says, you're not seriously thinking about sticking it all in, are you? Like he's... He's th- he, I guess he's saying, like, if you really have an ace, are you really going to try to get me off a chop here, buddy? Well, like, then he even says, he says right after that, like, you see that sometimes the guy, guy goes all in and with the same hand. Yeah. He even says that with the same hand. So he's right. like, seems to be saying we both have an ace, don't we? Yeah. So let's talk about what happens next. And then okay. just, we'll, okay. we'll do a deep dive. Ted Forrest checks back with aces full. Is there any way this isn't really bad? Okay. Initial hit. No. Every way, it's really bad. But let's do more than initial hit, okay? Okay. I believe, my, my first impression is that Forrest really thinks Negreanu is trying to do some sort of genius double reverse and has quads, yeah. right? And he's trying to, like, make it look like he has an ace and get Forrest to shove with an ace. Yeah. And, and Forrest is worried about the double reverse. Right. That has to be the main thing, right? Um, 
That's got to be part of it. Is, is Forrest also worried that if he bets and Negreanu shoves, that Forrest is going to fold, even though he's got aces full because he thinks Negreanu can only shove with quads, but then he's a little worried that Negreanu might be shoving with an ace to get him off a chop himself, something like that. So he doesn't want to put himself in that spot. I guess I don't have. I mean, I think I think we just we just don't fold probably if he shoves yeah. right. Like if he has quads, he has quads. It's okay. I mean, I get the whole worried about the reverse thing, but like conversely, do we really believe Negreanu has any quads in his thing. range? Like I know Negreanu is known for playing that part of the deck or whatever, but this was an all-in situation. He where, was in the small blind, and he was in the small blind. I don't think even at this time Negreanu was calling with hands like six seven suited in this spot. No, he's not calling with six seven suited. He's not calling with a six suited. Yeah. I don't believe either. Once we've called, either way, but especially once we've called, there's no way he's calling with. So Forrest effectively has the nuts. I believe Forrest has the nuts here. Yeah. If there was only two sixes, by the way, it'd be absurd not to bet and get it all in there yeah. too. But at least then I can be like, well, Negreanu can have pocket sixes. That's a combo that's beating me. Right. I don't know if there's any combos that's beating him. Like you're saying, I think it's literally. Well, it's not literally. It's effectively the nuts. And yeah. we should know that as Ted Forrest. It should be very obvious. And in fact, we should be able to sit there and say, Daniel has, let's say even maybe, I can't come up with the six he can have, but even if we think it's possible for him to have a six, he's got a lot more aces than sixes, bro. Right? Yeah. Probably, you know, probably zero sixes and some aces is probably yeah. where he is. Um, it seems like such an easy, obvious bet, hoping he has ace-10. Because now he's chopping with any ace. Negrano is all, any ace is going to call, right? And, and as Ted Forrest, we can bet an amount that we think is very callable for an ace. Like, yeah. We can bet like 22,000. Right. You know? And we can bet 22,000. I do think we have to call if he raises. Yeah. And just be like, I hope he's trying to get us off a chop. Yeah. Fuck, this sucks. Um, I guess, he, you know, even ace-6 has a speed there, yeah. Um, but, like, we're just going to call and lose to quads if somehow he has it. But what a great spot. It feels like so obvious and easy, right? I think Negreanu's speech actually got to him. I don't think it was the intention of Negreanu to like get Ted Forrest to check back aces full. No, of course but not. But I think that's what happened. There, no, I think Negreanu just didn't want Forrest to shove 2x pot with a, with a chop. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. But honestly, is openly saying all these things. Right. Forrest should shove anyway. Maybe he should just shove because, because Negreanu said these things, right? I mean, Negreanu's going to say... I mean, is Negreanu not going to call? Doesn't Negreanu have to call? I think he has to call because... Aces full is really the only hand that Forrest has that beats him, right? Like I believe I don't so. think Ted has six seven either. No. Aces full is the only hand. The way Ted played it, there's no reason to think Ted has aces full. There's he one just, combo. He called pre-flop. He checked back the flop. He just called the turn. And now he's shoving two X the pot on the river. This is a brilliant time to shove. He's got to shove. Gonna, you're going to get called by the ace. He has to shove. This you, is a huge mistake. Negron's going to roll his eyes and be like, I only I win half. Give me half the pot. And then turn out, turns out he gets none of the pot. Yeah. And in fact, he loses all his chips. It's such a perfect spot to shove. This is an incredible. This is dream. This yeah. is a dream spot. Huge mistake. It's weird. You know, it's like there are times when you can force someone to like, call a much bigger bet than they should have to call. Now, obviously, some spots are, you can get away from, right? But I remember playing in a... This is actually another one tournament during the World Series where I had um, the guy raised pre for middle position. I defended with like 9-5 suited or something. And the flop was 5-5-X five, five, uh, five, five and it went check, check. It was an ace on the turn. I bet and he called. I'm like, oh, cool. He has an ace. I can get value on the river. And another five came on the river and I went all in for nine times the pot. Yeah. And he like... 
agonized a little bit, but called. And I was like, yeah, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like, actually, I can have the five, of right. course. So actually, he's probably supposed to fold. I think he is supposed to fold. You're I'm probably going. supposed to make that play with an ace because you have the five a lot more than he does. Right. But, um, but like, he's supposed to fold either way, I yeah. think, like when it's nine times the pot. But I didn't expect him to be able to fold. I'm like, this guy's not going to be able to fold. It's a fucking $400 win tournament or something like that. Of course, he's going to call. And he did. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to call there. This is different. Yeah. Where like, it's really hard for Ted to have a six. It's really hard for him to have pocket aces. Negrano block. There's one combo anyway. And the way Ted played, it doesn't scream aces. Negrano almost always has either an insta fold, no matter how much we bet or a call for the shove. This is like yeah. a dream spot. Especially after Negrano's speech, that should incentivize Forrest more to be like, you know what? I'm doing it anyway. And then it like, looks like you're, it looks like he, um, he induced you a little bit yeah. too. Negrano could talk himself into it. And then it's like, oh my God, you really have it. Like how sick. It's kind of shocking because Ted Forrest at the time genuinely was like an impressively good player. Yeah. yeah. No, he made lots. Of, I remember so much. We did a hand with him from the WPT where he got away from like Ace Jack yeah. in, a, in a pretty impressive spot. I remember this, yeah. Against uh, Fabrice Solier? Chris Bell. Oh, Chris Bell. That's right. I remember. Uh, Chris Bell, very nice guy, by the way. Uh, super sweet Southern dude. Uh, but. Uh, like, so Ted Forrest, like, has his head on straight with this stuff or can have his head on straight, but it feels like he went to the fucking park instead of played poker for this moment, this, you know, this street, you know? Strange, strange. And that's how Daniel Negreanu saved a ton of chips. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time.